Um, anyway, so my name is Jodie. Now, these three are the front row know me. Um, one of them knows me quite well is my son, my number two son. Um, so I have four kids uh, who are regularly becoming this kid like. My youngest is 14, and then Katie, she's coming here a bit later on, she's nearly 18. Max is 20, and Jake's 22. And this place is kind of special to, to me because uh, I met my husband here when I was working here over 25 years ago. <coughs> and I actually got married in that building next door at my reception in this area. So was, and when I worked here, this was a brand new building. So I have a lot of and I will often have my kids uh, come here to be um, camp leaders. And uh, so <coughs> when I was 13, I started doing Sunday school classes. Does anyone here remember what Sunday school was? So I started, I was 13, and I was in a tiny little church, and it was just like, well, they needed someone, so I went in and did it. And I went down there and went, I actually really, really enjoyed that. And so I kept on it right through my, my high school years. One of the things about my personality, though, is I'm a little bit, mm, I'm not disorganized, that's not true, but I am a little bit flexible. So what that means is sometimes I get distracted easily. And so I would often find myself Saturday late at night or Sunday early in the morning prepping my class because for some reason the week between this went super fast. Um, but I still really enjoyed doing the thing that, um, when I was there. But I was like, why do I leave this to the last minute? So that's a little bit of my personality. And then from there I went, um, uh, came to the Springs here and I worked here for uh, nearly three years. And I loved working with kids in the kids ministry School holiday camp to be the young school holiday camp set. Yep. And uh, so that was fantastic. And I really realised that I was um, not skilled, but just naturally able to communicate with kids. And so that was a great discovery. And I wish I had gone to teachers' college, but it just wasn't, it just never quite came together for me. Then when I moved over to Toki, where I basically had my married life, worked for a couple of years and then I started having kids and when I had kids I got back into children's work uh, play centre. I was a play centre mum. Remember play centre days Max? <laughs> Max was the boy that always wore the, the dress up. So Spider-Man was a big thing and then there was a, uh, a, a dinosaur or something to our, our elders and I said, we need a best in children. 
to um, help them learn about the, the God of the Bible. Um, and they came back to me and said, we agree with you, can we employ you today? So, which was what I was intended. Um, I was just saying, look, we just need to do something about that. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be sort of doing something voluntarily for a while. I've been living with the National Vietnamese. Um, by that stage, I had worked with preschoolers, primary school, intermediate, high school, and so I had quite a good range of uh, work with a range of kids. Um, so I took on that job, and I lived there two days a week in the church doing children's ministry. And coupled with that, I actually come and do a kids camp once or twice a year there at the Springs, which is always super challenging and scary when I'm sitting in the back looking at, you know, especially this kids camp for 200 kids and go, oh God, I'm not actually swearing, I'm actually praying. <laughs> oh God, help me with these kids. Um, uh, I really want to convey your message to them. So I want to ask you a question. Why do you think, um, why do you think talking to kids about Jesus, or what's the difference between talking to kids about Jesus from adults? Why is it important? That we tell children about. I'm supposed to have a whiteboard in my room. Is that okay? Any thoughts? What is, it, what is the difference between telling an adult about the God of the Bible and telling them that? Maybe since you're all sitting here a bit nervous, to talk to each other and to put each other about why you think that might be important. Perhaps as you discuss that, you might come down to find some ideas. <coughs> But 
So the kids, um, they're open. They are also, we have been kids ourselves. So we can kind of remember what it, what it feels like to be a child. And we know um, from statistics, I was listening to a, a podcast um, earlier in the week, and it said that 85% of people make a decision to follow Jesus between the age of four and 15. 85% of people. And that is because the effects of the world, the mess that adults deal with, um, and you guys are some of you on the cusp of adult world and thinking that way. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult world out there, and there's lots of things thrown at you. But when you're a child, things are a little more simplistic in, in a sense. Although I think that the children of today are certainly are being faced with more challenges than, yeah, than ever. I mean, they're facing it with the heaven, um, for example. So I'm just going to read you uh, this little bit from this book here. So these two people, Phantom Stoneness and Scotty May, both ladies, they had did a, did a massive research program project on listening to children on the spiritual journey. So they interviewed scores of children, saved and unsaved, and this is a little bit that they discovered. As they wove um, their through their research findings, they discovered it was not a theory of childhood spirituality or even a definition of not a set of norms for what children should know or how they should think at their own age. Rather, the children gave us a glimpse of their spiritual potential, how they were at work putting together pieces of theological understandings, how they experienced God, and how their interactions with adults helped them. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Listening to the children also highlighted individual differences and how important it is to respect those differences, not expecting children even in the same family to respond or develop in the same ways along a similar timeframe. So some things I want to pull out of that a little bit. Um, one is that kids they have an openness to talk about God things. They are more inclined to believe the miracles. They they live in a, in a world where everything is a little more possible. So there's an amazing window. Um, they're also much more self-centered children more self-centered, they think about themselves, like if you were watching the little kids in here this morning, they were just in their own old happy world, climbing over things and making noises, they were, they didn't notice that people were sitting quietly, but you know, they just, they're more self-centered, so as as we teach children, we are helping them become God-centered, so they're, 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 they're immature, so it's easier to take an immature person um, and I want to ask you a question. Can you remember your first thinking about God? Try hard. I can't. I, I've tried and I've tried to remember my actual first thinking about God. I think I just always knew in my heart that there was something beyond me. And I really benefited of being raised with parents that then helped me learn what that was. I think all children have that. Something of an awareness that there's something beyond them. And so I think children can um, just uh, an open vessel. So it's really important that we, we work with children. Um, now also the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is that children are possibly hugely influenced as we have to be that we are not just using our influence to make them think what we want them to think because they don't want us to business. So in this day and age that we're living, we can tell children these stories, which I, I have a lady that I'm working with and she said to me, oh, there's lots about the Bible I can believe, but Jesus walking on water, just, it's just one that I just can't, I can't see how that could possibly be true or that. Oh, that's an interesting one to pick out as the one we can't believe when you're considering, you know, Mary was a virgin and had a baby and Jesus came back from life and what was doing from life, but that's the one she struggles with. Whereas kids will kind of go, oh yeah, you know, he's a good but that's, that's fine. Um, also, uh, we, I've worked in beach missions um, the last four or five 
said, she said,
moments when you are alone and you're sad, you actually aren't. You've got something that, you know, and, and Jesus has done the incredibly hard thing of being separated from God so that we never have to be. And that is hugely comforting in those hard times. Paul, what else? Your values. Values. The world has values too. But they're so fluctuated. Yeah. They've been to court. And, and coming in here with truth. We're not a baseline. We have this we have this solid foundation that gives us something to work from. The world doesn't that. It depends like uh, if that's what you think that's good for you, but I think this and that's good for me and John. Yeah. yeah. Where does that stop and start? I mean, my values aren't your values, but how do they work? How do they coexist? The Bible gives us a set of values, a set of truth that we can kind of get all on a single page on. Yeah. What else? Advantages. That. Tell. It's a good one. Yeah. The advantage of knowing that this time here is just a little tiny bit. I saw an illustration the other day, this guy had this massive, massive long rope, so, so long, and he had a little bit at the end, it was coloured in red, and he's like, this is our life here on earth, and then this is our eternal life, and we spend so much time thinking here, we forget about this whole big part beyond, beyond here, and unfortunately the alternative to eternal life is the Bible, again, it's really talking about separation. So, people will be alive, but separated from everything that is God, which is everything that is good. And that's a tragic, tragic thing to think about. So, yeah, any other things you came up with? Ah, we have the Holy Spirit. So with that comes the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, any other things you can think of? Security. Security. I mean, we can keep going. There's 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 heaps, there's heaps, there's heaps, there's heaps. Okay, what are some disadvantages? And no one's going to think less of you by saying these, by the way, because. And as um, Tony said this morning, actually, we are living in a time now where not only do people are not Christian, which is fine, at one stage there were Christians and not Christians, now we're in a time where people are actually anti-Christian. And it's the first time in history, well, it's not the first time, it's the first time in modern history that it's been like that. Um, 
So we are living in a different season. So are our kids. So somehow we've got to help them learn about these advantages, but also navigate these disadvantages. Anyone got any more disadvantages? Can look like you're trapped. Did you say? Yeah, um, and and that um, <laughs> that kind of like you've been mind controlled or something, eh? That mm. you, especially, um, especially yeah, yeah, especially if you've grown up as a kid and ah oh, yeah, you only believe that because you've been you know, mind controlled. Your your family have told you this, or your church, or your people, have, and so that is a risk as we're working with children that we have to realise that we we can't be. Um, we have to teach our kids to think. We can't just be telling them stuff. We have to be asking them questions so that they are owning this for themselves and so that they are given the, the real, here's some advantages, here's some disadvantages. How, how do you negotiate that feeling of people looking at you and laughing at you or thinking you're a little bit crazy? Or how do you, um, another disadvantage potentially would be just, it's, it's a boring life being a Christian, right? I went to the doctor during the week and he asked me if I smoke or drink. And I said, and I'm annoyed with myself, he said, no, I'm a bit boring, I don't. Because I actually don't think it's boring to not smoke or drink. Yeah. <laughs> but it just kind of came out. He says I'm boring too, so that's fine. So, um, but you know, it's been bothering me in the back of my head that I labelled that as boring. But people do, sometimes look at Christians and think, gee, it must be super boring to be a Christian. So what are our kids thinking when they're, when they're looking at the Christian faith? Are they thinking it's going to be a boring thing? Are they thinking it's something that, that they can just ride along on their family's faith? Are they these things? Yes, they will be. Um, so the next one of the questions that we want to answer is how do we help children spiritually mature? So we talked to this a little bit about that um, fact that they might make a sort of some sort of a decision, but it's not the be all and the end all. So, how do we keep them tracking along? I mean, what's our goal here for for the kids that we're working with in kids ministry, or one day when you're a parent, or your nieces and nephews, or whomever the children are in your world? I think that our goal with kids is that it, to that they will have an authentic life that will be lived for Christ and that it will last them for eternity, and beyond that, that they will desire to see others saved. So that's kind of the next stage in, in a child's development. They will, they will claim it for themselves. That next stage is when they want to see others learning about God. And that's why this place exists, the Springs, you know? It's a, a place that will help others learn more about God, because they want to multiply. And we want to multiply because in the Lord you have hope, purpose, comfort, values, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, security. These disadvantages are real, so we have to kind of talk through them. So each of you here obviously have some sort of a passion or some sort of interest in children. And the role that you have is, is actually really important because kids are looking at you and they're going, well, if I'm going to take this on board, I'm looking at to see whether it's worthwhile. So how we live out our lives is really important. And one day, if you're a parent, um, your kids, and this is, you know, I've got a son sitting in here, so this is awkward. Um, you've got a, you, your kids are looking at your life, and they're saying, is it, is it genuine? Like, you're saying this stuff, but do you actually, is it real? Is it part of your... Uh, who you really are, is it authentic? And the other thing that's really important with developing kids from that first little spark of um, is, is lots of exposure to different things. So, get your kids along to church. That's only going to be one hour a week, right? That's not going to do a big... Have conversations with them. Get them to kids' camps. Get involved with missions or... Uh, Bible in schools or rally or some kids club, just give them an opportunity to see heaps of different Christian experiences. Um, and that's why it's really cool that you guys are all here because you're rubbing your shoulders with other Christians 
and you're going, ah, oh, okay, so it's not just me stuck in kati kati doing my thing or puppy or tokoro or wherever you might be from. Oh, matamata. Um, some of you might be from there. You get to see other people and you get to see that God's a little bit bigger than just your world and that's hugely important for kids too. Um, it's real stuff that's meaningful. Uh, you know, Jesus loves us and he's made a way for us to be restored back to him and we need to be saying that to our kids so that this becomes like a, a, a hi Katie a track record that plays again and again in the in the heads that what does the Bible say? So you're referring kids back to that. Like when they're talking about trick, you say, Well, what does God say about that? Uh, Jesus loves you. God's got this. These these little messages that when you're working with kids that you'll be repeating again and again whilst role modeling um, that the Christian life is pretty, pretty good. Um, use Bible stories to teach about God. Now we have to be really careful with kids because the temptation, and I've been here myself many times, is to sell the fun of the story or the interest factor of the story. So, for example, we could talk about um, the story of David and, uh, and Goliath, for example. There's a whole heap of fun around that, right? Um, in fact, we just had that last Sunday and um, we did some stuff around that. The, the main service guy was talking on David. And at the end of the service, we had a Goliath and we had some slingshots and water bombs and we threw them at Goliath. So that was fun. And that's fun. You, you have to have fun with kids, right? That's normal. And that's, it's great to do that. But what is the message there with, let's just take the story of David and Goliath. What is a truth that we can teach a kid from that story? Having yeah. more faith and fear in facing our giants. Yeah, having more faith and fear in facing our giants. Cool. Some of the, you know, you could say um, you can do anything if God's on your side, but I reckon we need to flip that around and actually say, make sure you're on God's side. So it's not, <laughs> it's not, man, how awesome is David because God was on his side, he did this. It's because he was on God's side, he got to do that amazing thing. So sometimes when we're telling stories, we just got to think of those what are we trying to teach the kids in that and not just teach the actual story? And that helps them to learn how to approach the Bible better so that they're looking at it with a, a more thinking brain. You know, the other thing that we, you know, is really important to acknowledge is that no longer can, I think, a kid just grow up in a Christian family or in a Sunday school or come to kids' camp and just be expected to take the information that we teach them because the world is now against what we are teaching, what the Bible is teaching. And um, we've talked a little bit about this truth here. We actually have to help our kids understand how to deal with truth. Um, they're going to be bombarded and are bombarded with, well, let's just take a really controversial but super topical one, homosexuality. So our society um, tells us that it is actually very fine and okay. Um, and we, as Christians, are going, but I love people who are homosexuals. And they, they love each other and they're happy. And so there's this part of us that wants to allow that and be okay with that. And that's good and right. But at the same time, we have a Bible that says, God made a man and a woman, and they are to be. So we've got to go, how do I teach kids this? How do I help them to navigate this time when homosexuality is so normalised and so okay, and in fact, we're kind of mean if we say it isn't, right? How do we, do we just not talk about that with our kids? How do we deal with it? Because if we don't talk about these things with kids, then at some stage they're going to make these decisions by themselves or they're going to have a best friend who's, who's gay and they love their best friend and their best friend, they want to be happy for them. But we have to teach them how to handle this well. And one of the ways that you can do that is by saying, we care for people deeply. And that your gay friend, your best friend, is still super important to God and is loved by God as equally as anyone else. But God says 
And it's not even what I think. It doesn't actually matter what I think. But God says that he made a man and a woman to be together. And the reality is is that each of us have um, inclinations that we could take to whatever extreme. This is that some of those things in the world nowadays are being made acceptable. So we do have to talk about truth with children and say the, the world will tell you that this is okay. What does God's word say? And now you've got to balance that somehow. So it's all part of what we do when we're working with kids. The other thing is that our culture tells us that man is basically good. What does the Bible say man is? Evil. Yeah. The, ooh, that's for faith. Yeah. <laughs> so the world's telling us, and I, because I um, have done some early childhood training, um, it's very much this little baby's born, and they're beautiful and they're whole, which they are, um, and that they're good and that they're perfect and there's nothing wrong with them and parts of this are true but we know that the Bible tells us equally that we got that story last night that Adam and Eve that sin has infected all humankind so this little beautiful baby is beautiful and good and lovely but it's also riddled with sin as is every single human being and so we've got a world that's telling our kids you're good, you're amazing you're perfect just the way you are Sadly, that's not what the Bible says. And that's quite confronting, isn't it? So how do we love our children and at the same time say, do you know, there's actually something that isn't good and lovely about you? Now, the thing with kids, hopefully, they haven't experienced abandonment or abuse or addictions or those things. Some of them will have. Hopefully they haven't. So many kids potentially the kids that you might hang out with, will think that people are good. And especially if they're involved in the church or they come to this camp here or whatever, um, they'll think people are good and they'll think they are good because they see goodness. And we do people do have goodness in them. But we've got to get deeper than that and actually go, you know, you know when you told me that la 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 la, a little lie, that is sin, and that is not good. And you know, when you took that last piece of cake when I said to leave it there, that's stealing. And you know, when you pretended you didn't, that the cat had done it, that's deceiving. <laughs> and you know, when you threw that across the room and it hit me, that's, you know, that's anger and violence. And so there's all these things that we can, we have to unpack for our kids so that they can see actually, even though the world's telling me I'm good, there is a problem. Because if we don't talk about the, the heart of the problem then a kid can just behave well until they don't need to anymore and then they'll go do their own thing. And the other thing that we need to teach children is who Jesus is. So we're, man, we're growing up in a society where we have Muslim, Hindu, atheists, Buddhists, uh, people who are spiritual but just have created their own version of that. Uh, so when you're, when kids are sitting in a classroom or interacting in sports, they've got all these different faiths around them and we've got to help them understand that balance of loving people but also being able to go, well, who's Jesus? Now, one of the things, I had a, a German student living with, with me and his father was a religious instructor in Germany. Uh, this young man wasn't saved at all. But he said to me one day when we were going out for a walk, he said, um, I pretty much think that all religions are, are mostly right and that they, you know, they kind of all work together and you can get to God through most religions. That's quite a common thought. And I said, oh, yeah, fair enough. I said, but just not Christianity. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you can't have Christianity in that category that you've just talked about. So he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you can't have Christianity with all religions being right because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. So Jesus put himself outside of all religions category. So when we're talking to kids, we can go, oh yeah, your friends are Muslim. 
They're great people. And they're lovely. But Jesus said the only way to come to faith is through him. It's really um, kind of a challenging, once again, Jesus is pretty confronting. So the Christian faith, it's not for the faint-hearted, really, is it? And so when we're, when we're telling our kids these lovely little Bible stories, we actually have to be making sure that we are unpacking all of this stuff. What's truth? What a, what a human, what's at the heart of a human? Uh, what, is, yeah, what is mankind? And we talked about that last night. Who's Jesus? And then the other thing that um, is really helpful when you're working with kids is to understand their style, their style of learning. So what I've got here is um, a couple of sheets, which I'm not going to go deeply through, but happy to talk separately with, or you might want to just flick through. So this one is by a man named David Sonos. Um, he talks about four spiritual styles. So if you're putting together like um, a Sunday school lesson or a or uh, whatever it might be, I mean, even if you're doing something for teenagers or anything, this would apply here. It's this understanding that people learn differently, so and and also that they worship and express their um, kind of spirituality, their, their faith differently. So. Here's the four different styles. I'll write them up. And as I, go, as I write them up, see how a little think. You might be one or two, or very strongly one, or a combination of all. So a word-based. So the person who's, um, or a child who, um, they're going to worship and they're going to think about God through through the use of words. So the Bible's hugely important, so Bible study would be really interesting for them. They don't mind lectures and stuff like that. They find it really helpful. They'll take notes. And they're, they're, it's increasing in knowledge, so there's a lot of interest in knowledge. Um, they feel they know God best when they know about God best. So maybe that's your... Then there's emotion. And you might even belong to a church, and as you go through, you might see a church, one of your, your church fits into one of these categories more than another. Um, so emotions and feelings, so arts and music are really important. It's like things like the Christian music festivals. People who are this way, that be a real refueling time for them because they're hearing, and they need art and music. Um, they tend to be more demonstrative and charismatic. So their emotions are, are right there, and that's when they feel sort of closer to God when they're worshiping like that. Then there's symbol. This is probably my weakest one for sure. Um, but so you think of like um, the Church of England or Catholic churches, they have a lot of symbols in their church. So abstract concepts, things like candles and Advent and fasting and those kinds of things, um, or rituals and symbols, they were hugely important in the Israelite culture. God used um, symbols and rituals a lot with the Israelites to help them remember things. They like icons and uh, nature and silence and having space to you know, just really focus on things. So that's that one. And then action. So this is the person who, who doing is important. So um, prayer might be just more than speaking. It's you know you're you're, you're acting out. You're serving people. You're you're involved um, in, in people's lives. So that's those are four different styles. So just have a little think through those. See if there's any of those that. You go, oh, yeah, definitely from here and here, or here and here, or some of these, and have a little think about your church. And so when you're putting together stuff for kids, you want to be thinking, well, I'm going to have some kids that are going to enjoy words, some are going to emotions, some symbols, some actions. So you're going to have a variety of these kinds of things when you're helping teach kids, when you're, if it's your own children, if it's a class that you're putting together, something in, in there. So that's one list. If anyone wants to have a closer look at it, I've got a few copies. Um, and then there is 
another group of uh, categories. These are secret pathways. <laughs> that sounds lovely. So these are ways that you, uh, a child, particularly, um, might like to learn about God stuff. So the traditionalists, so they like routine, they have consistent worship times, structured prayers. If they were my child, they were out of luck because I'm a very unstructured person. <laughs> uh, and um, so those 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 nice um, ordered kinds of, uh, and they were probably like a lot of us and all stuff, not like the routine of it all. Um, a naturalist, someone who feel, will feel closer to God when they are in nature, when they're out looking at the ocean, looking at the trees, breathing and seeing animals, talking about animals. And just as you're thinking through all these, see if there's one that you go, oh, yeah, that, that works, that, that makes sense for me. Um, and it's really cool. If you've got kids that you can see these little sparks of, then you can take, you can question them a little bit deeper or you can encourage them. Like, I have probably a couple of naturalist kids that have a little bit of that. And so, you know, you can probably talk about him. That sunset's beautiful. It's amazing that God does it every day. You know, you can just bring that into the conversation. So it becomes part of the, the flow of your conversation. And so when you're working with kids, just throwing God into those little um, natural conversations that you have day to day. Um, the sensate. <laughs> so kids that are sort of um, responsive to sensory inputs. So they like the feel of things. They like the taste of things. They like the smell of things. They like new textures. Um, for sensory children, maybe helping them to connect with God would be, man, are you enjoying this? I don't know, let's say pineapple. Are you enjoying this pineapple? Isn't it amazing? It's so sharp and crusty. Just imagine when God made pineapple, like, and then he made an orange, and then how did he come up with all those flavours? And so you just have these kind of really kind of natural conversations, and you're just connecting God with something that is helpful for them. The caregiver. So this is pretty self-explanatory. So a, a kid or a young person that loves to help. So they will be helping you make the bed or helping you put the pencils away at the end of your Sunday school lesson. Or And you know, they're, they're, you know tap into those ones because they're super, super great. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and the temptation, temptation of, a, of a caregiver type person is they can sometimes get so busy helping others that they forget to think about their own relationship with, with God too. So, um, yeah, so you can be saying, hey, thank you, Matthew, for helping me put these pencils away. That is so cool. You know, Jesus really he had people in his world that were super helpful too. You know, just little stuff like that. The activist. <laughs> So they're incredibly upset over injustice. They have one who borderlines this sometimes and gets quite passionate about certain things. Um, so, you know, kids, well, you, Greta Thunberg is an example of someone who would be an activist, not a saved activist, but nonetheless an activist, and she got so passionate about what she's passionate about. And you'll have kids that are like that, that are just like, do you know that people eat meat? And thousands of cows are killed, or you know, and they get really passionate about that as kids. And so, and yeah, so you're going, how do I, how do I connect this passion, this activist nature, you know, and connect that with God, and, and finding that balance, so that you know, often the risk there is they can become so passionate in one area, and it's just kind of mellowing that and calming that a little bit, but also helping them to see how they could use that for God, in some way. Um, and also seeking, you know, God's wisdom through that. So you can say, man, that's something you can really be praying about if that's a real problem for you. Maybe there's something you can do to help. And then once again, you're throwing God into the mix, making them think through their lens, but in a, in a God way. The enthusiast. So this is an interesting one. So um, you might know the story in the Bible of Samuel, who heard God saying Samuel, Samuel was calling to him. And he didn't know what it was to start with. And then he realised he was told, oh, and that's God speaking to you. So some people feel like they have a, um, a more direct connection to hearing God's voice, potentially. Um, and so if your kid feels like that, and they, and they maybe they're more prayerful, and they're more connected to um, 
perhaps spiritual things, for you, I mean, it's great, that's no problem, but you've always got to go, is, is it their thinking, their brain, or are they hearing from God? And so how do we help them with that? We go, well, let's, well, you think God's told you that? Let's go see what the Bible says. And so you're just bringing them back to check what the Bible says. But you're still honouring that aspect of them. Um, I've come across some young people like that, and so I'm pretty certain God spoke to me about this. Um, so maybe he did. What was it? All right, let's just see what the Bible says. If it was God, it'll match up with the Bible. Or maybe it's just your thinking. But you know, either way, let's see what the Bible says. Um, so that's really just important. Just if they're sensing that prompting of the Holy Spirit, that you're just taking them back to God's word, because that's where He's fully spoken. If it lines up with that, they're away laughing. Uh, what else we got? The final one is the intellectual. So um, this will be the kid that likes to know knowledge for the sake of knowing knowledge. So they'll be the ones that, um, you know, you'll ask their question and they'll have all the answers about, you know, that particular story. Or they, they love to read or they'll, they'll do extra research or they'll maybe um, go and buy themselves a concordance and look up other, you know, that Logos Bible. They'll be like, yes, I am all over that. So they're an intellectual thinker, so giving them information is good, but also getting to the heart. So saying, you know, knowledge is important, and knowing stuff about the Bible is a means to an end. The reason we know stuff about the Bible is so that it changes who we are, how we live, and how we talk to others. Um, and, you know, obviously getting them into a pathway, potentially of being a teacher or something like that going forward. So those, uh, did anyone see any of those where they're like, oh yeah, kind of can see myself fitting into that a little bit. And so the risk is too, when you uh, have um, some strong styles yourself, is when you're working with kids, is that might be the style that you tend to focus on, which is being aware of kids having a wide range of needs and abilities. All right, so there were three questions that I was had to answer. So I've typed, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, you know, progressing children along once they're saved or on that spiritual journey. Um, the other question that James said would be good to quickly talk about is what does it take to be a good kids ministry volunteer? So, we have a few minutes, we'll do that now. Um, I've been on both sides of this. I was a professional volunteer for a lot, as I told you, from the age of 13. Um, started doing Sunday school and I've done a youth group and volunteer work a lot and now I'm on the other side of it where I'm a paid, um, paid staff and I have a lot of volunteers under me. So I've been on both sides. So here's the things that I think make a good kids ministry volunteer. How many of you are involved in kids ministry of some sort, like you do, are volunteers? Fantastic. All of you. Well done, you guys. You're amazing. This, I honestly cannot say how valuable you are to your church and to your organisation that you're working with um, uh, and to the kids. Yeah, really cool. And I hope that maybe that as you continue to be a volunteer, that if it's something that you love and you're passionate about, that it maybe can become something of a job for you later on down life. There's every chance. And God can be surprising like that. So what does it take to be good? The first thing I think is character. When I'm looking for someone to recruit, or I've got people on my team, what is their character? And so how do they present themselves to the world? Are they authentic? Are they honest? Are they, um, are they trying, trying to follow this and live this well? That's really uh, an important thing. The second thing is commitment. Double M, one C. Is that right? Yeah. A ministry leader who turns, uh, or a ministry volunteer who turns up when they're rostered on, turns up on time, turns up prepared, is available, uh, gives up time. That is just, I mean, you're, you're like gold. So if you want to be a good ministry worker, Character. Now that's something that you just have to work on personally yourself, but this is something you can actually make. Uh, hello? Your stomach's coming. 
Okay, we'll put that one down here. Grumbling stomach. <laughs> uh, so commitment is um, really important. Just someone that is prepared to to do what they need to do. And I think it's really important to think of yourself as it's a job, even though you're not getting paid for it. It is still a job, and do it really well. And that includes being committed. If you're asked to be there at a certain time, turn up. If you're asked to have a game ready, have a game ready. If you're asked to put, sharpen the pencils, try not to get blisters, but sharpen the pencils. Okay, the next thing, chemistry. A good kids worker, so I mean, I could stop here. If I had someone who had character and commitment, I'd be happy with that. This is, we're getting into the, the next level of it. So someone who has chemistry, that means they will work with the team well and interact with the team well, but also that they'll have something that they'll bring to the children and the children will respond to. Now it's really important, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be super loud and super fun, or you don't have to be super quiet and super chill. Like, the, all of that is important. And we need uh, to have a good team. We need a, a, round, a balanced group of people. So um, you don't need to think, I'm probably lacking chemistry because I'm not actually that exciting of a, of a person. No, because there's going to be kids in your kids' ministry who aren't extroverted by nature and they need a quieter person. Um, I don't want to pick on Max, but I'm just going to for a minute. Um, Max, uh, for a while, he loves Lego, and for a while was helping with a Lego club in Tipoki. When, when he had space and time, he doesn't anymore. And that's what he did. He just sat and played with kids and made Lego, because that's what he could do. And there's always something that you can do that um, will be of value to kids. And then finally, competency. And this comes a little bit more with time. So what I mean by that is that you kind of know how to do some stuff. So we would start and we would go here, we'd hope for this, and as time goes on, this grows. Some people are going to step into that easier because they're just geared that way. Some people are just competent in a certain field, and sometimes that's kids' ministry. And others of us have to kind of work away at it and, and learn and just, you know, build knowledge on, on top of what we... And just by trying things. So those are the four things that I think uh, are important in kids' ministry. Did anyone else have any other things that they thought might be important? <laughs> Pardon? Patience. Patience, definitely. <laughs> that is what you learn. <laughs> um, and perhaps that comes a little bit in character. Katie? Kindness with a C. Kindness with a C? Oh, compassion. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, and see, some of these things come in this area here. The compassion and the... Uh, what was it? Kindness? <laughs> you word. Uh, what was your word? Oh, patience, that's right. No, it's patience. Yeah, so that's all some of these things in character. We are not always patient with kids, we are not always kind and we are not always compassionate, but hopefully we are some of the time. <laughs> That's important. Alrighty. Any questions? I'm just going to read you a little passage. You know, the Bible, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, I should say, um, cares about, by the language it uses, it cares about children. It cares, it cares about um, children learning about God. And there's a number of passages that refer to adults or young people passing on faith to the, the younger generation. This is one of them, Psalm 78, verse 4. So, backing up, it says... Um, the psalmist is writing, hear my teaching. And then he says, we will not hide then the things that we know about God from children and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. It's a good thing we do when we talk to children about the Lord. 
And it's and it's a, it's a, an important thing, and it's a scriptural thing. It's what God wants us to do. So if you love the Lord, it's it makes sense that you want to know and you do um, share with children, especially in light of what I said right at the start, is that so many children are, so, so, many, so many adult Christians, it's when they're a child that they make that. Hmm, I'm on board with this. But reminding and wrapping up here, reminder that it's no longer okay just to assume that they're going to take on board everything. We have to be really clever about how we instruct children. We have to be able to be a bit of an apologist. So that means we have to be able to reason our faith and talk that through with our kids because they're being bombarded with what the world's saying. And so the Bible's quite different from the world. We need to be able to help them understand that it's meaningful, that it's real, that it has value, that it, um, that it has advantages. And not be scaring children into a into a decision, but that they will come to a just a day by day, step by step, working out of their faith that will last them a whole lifetime, and that one day they will in turn do the same for their children or other children. So that is that. And I have lollies that I got given. Um, <laughs> they were in my little um, lodge room. And I only really like minties, so I would love to pass these around. You may have a, a lolly, so please take a lolly and pass it on. Any questions or thoughts? I started when I was 13 working with kids, so obviously I didn't have kids then. Um, so potentially it helped me because I'd been working with kids. So when I came to having my own, I kind of had worked with kids already, as opposed to some of my, like I told you, I've been doing plunket parenting courses, and some of these people are coming into kid ownership. <laughs> no, they're having their babies. And they've never, they've never, they've never worked with kids before. They've been, a, a, you know, like a lawyer or something. And so for them, it's so difficult. They really, um, really struggle. So for me, um, perhaps that transition wasn't so hard because I've already been a bit of time with children. But um, I just really like people and children are people. So I, by, by default, I really like kids as well. And I like having fun, and kids are really fun. And they just say such fun stuff, and I just <laughs> really enjoy that aspect of working with kids. Um, I have four very different children. In my next session that I'm going to be doing, I'm talking about um, how to have God conversations with people naturally. And as part of that, we're going to explore our personalities a little bit um, so that we can think about how do I how do I do this if I'm right, right super introverted and super don't like talking to random people or I'm super extroverted and I talk to everyone but I want people to like me all the time so how do I say stuff that's not that likeable in this world so we'll be playing with that a little bit um, and with my four kids they're quite different in nature so I've had to um, kind of learn some different things and I always got it perfectly right but I've tried um, and also having a great husband helps too yeah. but you rely on others you rely on other Christians in their world just, you know, speaking into their lives and, yeah, good question though. Any other questions? Yeah. I have, that this is, that here's, obviously, here's the secret for parenting. Each child thinks they're different. But one child knows. <laughs> She always lives up singing up that quote. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, well, here's the thing about you know this. You'll have people in your world that you really like for certain reasons, right? Same with my kids. I have certain things that I identify and enjoy in each of my kids. So in that area, they're my favourite. Being an idiot, this is my favourite child. Go to child. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Creative, interesting thinking. This is my go-to child. Passion, that's Lucy, my youngest one. If I want to put passionate thoughts, go for her. Jake, if we just want to just, just hang out and just just be, he's my favourite. So I have different different ones that I that I enjoy stuff with. Um, any other questions that aren't about favourite children? 
<laughs> Good one, though. <laughs> Did you pay it? Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, let me pray. Uh, Lord God, your work in each of our lives is, is actually an amazing miracle, and we thank you that you weren't content just to leave the human race in its mess, that you did something so radical and so big of sending your son to come and take that ultimate cost to be separated from you for a season so that we could never so we don't have to be separated from you from eternity. And as we as we think of these young, beautiful lives that are babies, children, young people, um, and how they are in a world which is saying this is all just made up or it's all rubbish or it's all unkind or whatever it is that the world is saying, just so many things. We just pray that you will help us to anchor ourselves in the truth of you and to be able to teach that well, to authentically um, show these children through our words, through our lives, through our actions that you are worth living for. And uh, we just pray for the, each of the children that are in our worlds that you'll just help us to be an amazing example to them going forward. We thank you for this opportunity to dig deep into you this weekend, um, that you'll just grow us more Christ-like and um, give us some courage to go back out into the world this week and, and be bold Christians for you. Ask us in your precious name. Amen. So if anyone wanted to look at these a little bit more, you are very welcome to. Just leave them here. There is a couple of spheres of the spiritual styles of children, if that interests you. Thank you very much.